You're listening to The Onset of refreshing, inspiring, and relatable outdoor stories and conversations with your host, Elizabeth Brownell. The Onset Podcast, part of the OKS Podcast Network. Think I can fly. Think I can fly. All right, guys, welcome to episode five of the Onset Podcast. I I had some plans for this episode, and then I think I got some I got some constructive criticism from episode four. And not that I wasn't already gonna go in this route, because I feel like with hunting, whether it's you know, YouTube or podcasts, you know, as we have seasons come in, that's kind of the topic change that starts to happen. Um, and I've, you know, I'm just gonna be honest, I've been enjoying my summer. I've been, I've been fishing a lot. Like I, I've been shooting my bow here and there, but like, I really, Virginia starts in the second week of October. And I kind of always forget that a lot of other states like start, you know, in September. So that's, that's my bad. You know, again, I've been enjoying my summer, but now we're really about to get into the nitty gritty of whitetail hunting specifically for, the rookie hunter, the new hunter, the onset adult hunter, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, we're going to support. So I do want to read, before I introduce my guest for this episode, I do want to read the comment I got. Um, and no hate to this person. I Honestly, I kind of agree with it. Um, but he basically said, I appreciate what you're doing very much, but if I can make a suggestion, I was really hoping that this podcast was going to be about helping the onset hunter with useful tips, anecdotes, gear suggestions, and practical information that can help the new hunter today, specifically as the season's approaching. So far, I personally feel this podcast has been all over the place with no particular mission or focus. Sure, you can pick up a thing or two by listening to an influencer talk about herself, but I feel you're missing a great opportunity to help the onset community with something different from what's already out there. Would be great if you would take the direction of helping people who didn't grow up hunting or may not have friends or relatives who hunt. Hopefully you take this as constructive criticism. And I'm an Aries, so like I'm built on constructive criticism, whether it's me giving it out or me accepting it. I am always here for the the constructive criticism. So I wanted this episode to really be geared towards again, the new hunter. Uh, If you're just hunting curious, if you've never done it, but you're like, maybe this is the fall, I try it. Uh, I'm here with someone I found on social media that was extremely helpful, educational. Um, She just made everything so easy to understand. I think the first video I saw of hers was specifically about shooting from a saddle um, with a bow. So I'm here to introduce Caitlin Armstrong. Hello. Thanks for being on here. I'm really excited. Um, We already had this planned, and I wanted to kind of ask you about kind of like your experiences. Um, You know, I started hunting as an adult. You grew up hunting, but then you started bow hunting as an adult. So you basically had to teach yourself a lot of things um, later in life. And now you're like self-filming, you're like literally doing all the things by yourself. So 
I feel like you're about to get perspective from someone who knew nothing about hunting prior and learned as an adult. And you're going to get some perspective from someone who, you know, had the upbringing, but then basically had to, you know, teach herself all the same things. So I guess just let's start off with the basics. Um, I guess, how old were you when you started hunting, by the way? So I, I grew up around it, um, scouting and tracking and doing wood stuff with my dad as little as five. Um, but I didn't kill my first deer until I was 12, uh, killed my second deer at 14. And then my dad decided to take me out of state hunting. So I grew up hunting in New Hampshire, uh, and, uh, then he would take me out of state and we would go hunting in Ohio together, which was extremely fun. Um, but I gun hunted my entire life until I turned like 27, I think, um, 26, 27, maybe it was 26. I don't know. Somewhere around there is I, I gun hunted up until that point. And it was very much like, uh, you know where to shoot a deer. Here's your tree. They come from the ridge and they come from up in the bottom. Like, shoot what you want and it, and um he only had like one day off a week so it was zero fault to his he just didn't have the time to fully teach me you know he would teach me here and there like how to scout how to find deer sign and all that but like where we did go hunting my dad grew up hunting there so there was no showing me how to find a new spot how to you know uh hunt the wind or um, any of the sort of basics of hunting of how to just walk into public land and find a spot like there was none of that and definitely no bow hunting um so uh that's when I decided to teach myself I guess is when I yeah. turned 26 wanted to hunt all year long not just the one week of gun season so and for me I feel like my first uh my first season was all on private with um friends who had offered to teach me and so it was very much like, hey, we're going to be in this stand that's already there. And, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to use this weapon and, you know, the deer are going to come from there. And like, this is what's going to happen. Um, and it was kind that's of the same thing. Great place to start. But I, I think I knew early on, like, OK, like I don't like being at the will of other people. Like I want to be able to go whenever I want to go. Um, and that's kind of when I got into like mobile hunting on public land. Like that was essentially the next year I was like, okay, like I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. um, for anyone listening, there's, you know, a big, and again, this is, if you, if you're already like an experienced hunter, we're going to talk about like the basics here. So this might not be your episode to listen to. This really is for like the absolute beginner, the rookie hunter. We're going to like really define the basics. So you know, that there's, you know, private and public land, and then there's also federal land, which I, I put under public land because it has its own, like, sets of rules and everything. Um, private land is essentially, like, you own land, um, or someone else owns it, and you have permission. And there's a lot more freedom you have on private land versus public or federal. And now every state's different, so... You know, she's, Caitlin, you're hunting primarily in Ohio, right? Yep. And I'm hunting in Virginia, and I've hunted a little in Maryland. So we're about to tell you basically, you know, a state in the Midwest and a state on the East Coast. 
Um, but every state's different. And that's something I did not understand when I was a kid, like before, really before I started hunting, like I thought it was just a free for all, really. I didn't understand that states have such strict regulations and that every state is so different. Um, so I know Virginia's license structure, they have a really cool apprentice, uh, hunter program. Uh, where essentially you can buy like an apprentice license, which just means like you don't know what you're doing and you have to go with um, someone who has a valid like Virginia hunting license. Um, And it's $11 and it's good for two years. And it's a great way to get new people out. It's a cheap license. And then if you want to sit by yourself with an apprentice license, you have to just get your hunter education which for anyone listening, again, if you're curious about hunting, like that is the first step for, I think anybody like take your hunter education. I know a lot of people like kind of laugh about it. Um, you know, as they're like experienced hunters that they didn't, it didn't teach them anything, but for someone who knows nothing, like I definitely learned a lot and I just made my friend Katie sign up for it. And she's like, it's like a video game. Like, it's really cool. Like it's just, it's so easy to do. She's like really bad ADD. So she said it's like Virginia's hunter education like like program is is great. She said it's literally like a video game and it's really easy to follow. Is it all online? Yeah. That's so interesting. See, when I was a kid, I did hunter hunter safety course when I was like 16 and it was like a weekend long like camp experience. I was just about to ask you like so what is like your state's um like yeah, is that how it still is? Like it's in person? You know, I have no idea because I it's valid for um but in new Hampshire where i grew up it was like you went to like a camp and you took these classes you had like two or three hour classes and they would go outside and do on hand classes too to it's kind of like driver's education course where like you have like a whiteboard and they talk to you and you absorb information and then you go out there and you practice it well for us they handed us like fake guns and we had to walk through the woods and show that like we knew how to properly carry a gun like it was loaded at all times and then we had to point out like where we would shoot a deer depending on like how far away it was or what angle they were standing at and like it it teaches you the basic of the basics and it's I think it's great and to be honest I feel like that's how it should be um I feel like putting it in person um I don't know. I feel like I was always confused why hunter education, especially when I think a majority of hunter education is heavily focused on firearm safety. Yeah. Um, I was always confused why a lot of states do it online, um, where I think that's kind of I'm always kind of wondering if that's why, you know, there's still like accidents that are happening. Absolutely. Um, it's it, You have to practice it. Like it's one thing if you've never held a gun before and you're and you're watching like she said like a video game and you understand the rules in your head of like always keep it pointing down you know never move it up past your waist like those Mm -hmm. kind of basics but it's another thing to actually be holding a gun and then you're talking to somebody next to you before you know it you hear a noise and you turn and then your barrel is facing them and it's i mean a hundred percent you'd think it'd be common sense but um, until you practice it your body's not used to it if you've never held a weapon before For sure. And I didn't really grow up with like those types of guns. So even for me, like, um, 
I think that was my hardest thing about starting to hunt waterfowl. I was like, oh, like I, I don't, you know, I, I like, I was like, uh huh, okay, like this is gonna take some getting used to. It's like just a lot more. I, I never really liked hunting um, deer with shotgun. I didn't really do it a lot. Um, and I would say now it's like I really only hunt. Uh, I would say like ninety five percent of the time with my bow, and then you know five percent of the time with my muzzle loader because I I do like my muzzle loader. Um, but yeah, guns are a weird thing if you don't grow up with them, and I think. There's not a, lo a whole lot of, you know, on-hand experience you can get from an online course for sure. Mm -hmm. I would, I would completely agree with you, but I would also like to add in perhaps I'm, perhaps I'm just different that I grew up with guns and I still don't enjoy shooting them. And I know that's so weird for somebody who like grew up on a farm and, you know, everybody, you know, owns a gun, has one by the bedside table, go and shooting it for fun, skeet shooting and all that. Like I just. I personally don't enjoy shooting guns. I think they're loud and obnoxious and they hurt my ears and it's not for me, but shooting a bow, I would go to the range all day long and do that. It's yeah. just, that's way more fun for me personally. For sure. And I think once I picked up my bow, I kind of realized that too. I was like, oh, like you, you can just, yeah, it's so different. And I would yeah. say even a crossbow too, which is what I'm going to be teaching Katie how to use this fall. Um, like, yeah, there's a safety on it. Um, and there's a scope and I feel like people are, you know, people put it in a weird category, but I never felt like, oh, I'm, you know, I, I never felt like carrying my crossbow around. Like I'm, you know, I'm going to accidentally like shoot someone. Like that's just, that was yeah. never, whereas a gun, I feel like I'm constantly like, especially and mostly in like waterfowl situations where I'm surrounded by a lot of people and I'm like, oh, like I'm carrying a loaded gun like and I have to actively think about it a lot more than people I know I hunt with that have done it their whole life and it's just like second nature to them mm -hmm. well you said you're taking uh Katie hunting with a crossbow that's awesome that's how I learned how to hunt with the bow it's a great introductory tool to learning how to hunt same um absolutely and you know the, the buck behind me like that was my first buck that was my first public land harvest and it was with a crossbow and i didn't even know that the crossbow is a very controversial thing in hunting until like i had posted that and people were like oh well like, you know it doesn't count because it's a crossbow um i Sorry. i wrote a whole blog on like a whole article on this because i think it's so dangerous that the crossbow gets so much hate because I think it is such a good like introductory tool for yep. like the rookie hunter. Um, yep. I think it's ethical to the animal. It's easy to use. Like if you've, if you grew up with guns and like you're familiar with a scope and a safety, it's literally the, the easiest version of that. Mm -hmm. um, they're so easy to sight in. I just, and you I, still have to be very thoughtful about your shot where shooting a shooting an arrow versus a bullet even if it's a crossbow arrow it still is an arrow it's not a bullet and you, it's a great way to teach you the difference with the arrow and the bullet for sure and i feel like a lot of the a lot of the controversy out there is people are basically and if again if you're a new hunter listening um the whole point of the hate that the crossbow gets is there are people who believe it should have its own season. So right now, again, like I mentioned earlier, states have different regulations. They have different um, seasons and rules. And so usually in most states, the first season that comes in is archery. 
And archery can be defined as, you know, you have your traditional bows, which is like your long bows and your recurves. Then you have your compound bows and then you have crossbows. I would say in a lot of states, crossbows are allowed in archery. There are still some states who you have to be technically a disabled hunter in order to use a crossbow. Um, but I would say most states, you can use them freely in archery season. A lot of people think because they're so much easier to use that they should have, they should either be in firearm season or they should come in later in archery season, which I just completely disagree on. I think that for a couple reasons, I think that, I think when people see the hate, especially on social media, um, it's either going to make them rush into using a compound bow when they're not ready. Um, mm -hmm. I think oh, that was a hundred literally. And, and to me, it's like, if you're a true hunter, I think you respect and care about the animal. And it's like, I knew, you know, I bought my crossbow and my compound bow at the same time. Um, and I knew when, you know, that season, that opening day of archery came, I knew I was like, I'm not ready. Like I am not ready to pull back my compound bow on a deer. I don't even think I had made it to 45 pounds yet. Like on my draw weight, I was like, absolutely not. Like my, my crossbow is what I'm going to take. And that's what I used the rest of the archery season. And it was the best thing for me. Um, I, and so I highly recommend if, if you're again, curious about hunting or you want to get into it, you don't know where to start. I would say like, get a crossbow. Like it, Again, it's so easy to use. And I'm glad you feel the same way. I was going to ask you that later. I, I did want to talk about, um, you know, different styles of hunting, and that includes different, like, weapons used. And so I'm glad you feel the same way, and that's how you got into it as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And another thing on the crossbow, too, is a lot of people don't think about this because um, my buddies and friends or whatever, like, when I first started learning how to hunt with a compound, come January, February, because our season in Ohio goes all the way to like February 6th or somewhere around there. Wow. It's, yeah, it's extremely cold during that those last three, four weeks, sometimes dipping as low as like negative or 10 degrees. Gross. And you're right. Oh, I know it's rough to hunt in that time, but I'm still out there because I love it. And you know, they would tell me like, you hunted with your compound. Why are you picking up a crossbow? Like, are, are, are you just being lazy? Like the last month of season, what can't make it the rest of the way. And I've told them like, it's, it's literally unethical for me to hunt with a crossbow in these cold temperatures, because as a new bow hunter back then with the bow I had, which I know we'll touch on later, but I, I could not draw my bow back with wearing like the puffy jackets and trying to stay warm and all of that and, and, and ethically feel like I could uh, harvest an animal. Um, so I would switch to my crossbows. I just felt like it was a lot more ethical, especially in the colder temperatures. I actually remember seeing your TikToks. Because, um, I mean, have you gotten hate on, like, your platforms um, for using a crossbow? If, like, people haven't seen you using your compound and they assume you're just hunting with a crossbow? Um, the funny thing with TikTok is like those videos of me hunting with a crossbow, like that was over two years ago. So they're like so far down in the feed that okay. they really don't pop off as often as they used to. But I do remember when I was making videos on them, I was trying on purpose to show people like, hey, I really am using a crossbow and I don't care what you think. And let's stir the pot and open up conversation because I wasn't trying to be, um, uh, what's the word, controversial. I was trying to open the discussion because it's like, you can disagree with me, but tell me why. 
And don't give me some bullcrap answer like it's cheating because I have legitimate reasons why I'm using it and so do other people. And yeah. like, let's let's talk about it. Let's talk about why you're choosing to use it versus not use it, you know? Yeah. And I think too, I feel like it's always, I've never seen like someone who hunts with a traditional bow um, shit on crossbow users. I've only seen like people who hunt with a compound. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, yeah. well, okay. Yeah. I'm like traditional people, like traditional bow hunters could just say the exact same thing about a compound. About compound. Oh, 100% they could. In my eyes, it's like the same next level of difficulty, man. I don't know how yeah. people kill a deer with a traditional bow. That's insanely hard. Yeah. It, yeah. I think that is like the most like impressive thing in my mind as far as oh, like yeah. hunting. Yeah, for sure. Um. I guess as far as like other weapons we could talk about since we're on the topic. So yeah, if you're a new hunter, I, I definitely highly recommend a crossbow. It's just, it is, it's easy and it's fair to the animal for sure. Um, and like Caitlin said too, it's like, there are still a lot of like shots you can't take with a crossbow that you could take with a gun. And I don't think people realize that either when they haven't really used a crossbow. Um, so besides that, you have, you know, muzzle loaders, um, which I'm a, I'm a big fan of, um, you've inline and then, um, your flintlock, uh, if, if you do want to get into that, um, I, I would just say the only, the only, I wouldn't say downside, but if you are going to get into it and you, you have no idea what we're talking about, there's just a lot more components. Like it's not just a gun and you have a choke and your, you know, shotgun shell, or if it's a rifle, your cartridge, like, now you're just talking about a lot more components. So, um, but I do in Virginia, it goes from art, it goes from archery, muzzleloader, and then firearm. I'm not sure about Ohio if it's like about the same. Uh, it's archery, and then we have one week of gun season, which is directly after Thanksgiving, and then two more weeks of archery, and then a weekend of gun season. It's only like two days or three days, I believe, and then archery continues on I think for another two weeks and then in January we have like four days of muzzle order and then archery until fe February so it yeah, does I was gonna say like ours like kind of yeah like our yeah ours kind of I was about to say like later in the season it definitely uh, comes back in and then goes back out as well um and again like use your state's resources like that is going to be the biggest thing um I know in Virginia they make it so easy like we um, we, hey, are you allowed to tag animals like on your, like on an app in Ohio? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I know some States, like they, they haven't switched to that and you still have to use like an actual tag. And then I think whenever I see that on social media, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I wouldn't even know what to do with that because you know, I've, you know, hunt, uh, Virginia and Maryland and it's like, you just tag your animals on an app and, and what tagging means if, if you're new and you don't understand what that means when you harvest an animal, you're only allowed to kill a certain amount. And so when you harvest an animal, you essentially have to tag that animal in your state system. And that's how they control their populations, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have to mark whether it was a buck or a doe and where, what county you harvested it in and your name and your license number and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and actually in Ohio, I don't know when they changed this rule, but uh, when I was a kid, you used to have to tag your animal with writing out the tag or printing out the tag and then tagging your animal. But then over the last couple of years, I don't know when it was, but they actually changed the rule to where you do not have to tag your animal as long as you remain with the animal the entire time. 
So if the animal goes in another person's vehicle for transportation, then you have to tag it. But if you are the person who harvested it, you remain with it. You don't have to tag it at all. Wow. But but you do have to tag it online within 24 hours of your harvest. Okay, gotcha. Okay. But don't have to like write down and then yeah. put it on the animal. You just have to fill out the online form and hit submit and they Okay, gotcha. Nice. Um, I was trying to think where, <laughs> besides that, I, I would say, yeah. Um, do you, have you ever hunted with like a rifle or anything? Uh, my first two deer I harvested in New Hampshire were with a rifle because that's what you were allowed to use in New Hampshire. Okay. I believe. Gotcha. Yeah. That is I one thing I will say. I, I, guess I think so. I could be totally wrong, but I think the first two deer I harvested was with a rifle. Yeah. Um, I was about to say, like that, that's actually one one weapon I've never used to hunt with. Um, when I first started to learn like how to hunt, I lived in two counties where like they were just not rifle counties for some reason. And now it's like three years later they are. Um, but it's just not something I've done. So even that, it's you know, I would like to try it, but I'm definitely like right now I'm like trying to just harvest an animal with my bow yeah. and like, you know, call it a day, but um, I personally just have no interest in using a rifle on an animal because once you get that close encounter, anything further than that is just not satisfactory. For sure. <laughs> and I feel like even just watching it now and people, um, and if you're listening and you're not familiar, but with the rifle, you can literally kill an animal like up to like, you know, I would say like 300 yards, like 200 yeah. yards. Like it's just insane distances with a bow like it is such a close range thing like you have like 10 to like 40 yard shots which when an animal doesn't know you're there and you're just in its like you're in its complete habitat like and it just has no idea like there's really no other feeling like it yeah and it's really you versus the animal like and with bow hunting like you have to beat the animal's senses all of them and they're way better than you Mm -hmm. yeah like so literally they are made yeah they are yeah, made to survive <laughs> yeah absolutely and so you know talking about you know killing an animal at 200 yards like that animal had no chance like it didn't know you were there it, it just had absolutely no chance so as a new hunter i was definitely entering hunting with like just so much compassion and so much empathy and so i feel like that's why i gravitated towards like you know bow hunting i think it's a much more fair like it's much more just fair yeah. experience um and i'm you know i learned that i i'm really good at that because it's like last year i just i didn't i didn't harvest a single deer um with my bow and so it's like that was a very humble and it, yeah it was oh my gosh yeah it's so humbling and that's why people i always get messages and they're like when are you gonna change your name from like ricky hunting like you're going on year like three and i'm like never like literally never i will never change right. it from ricky hunting i think it doesn't matter how long you've been hunting but you're always about to learn something new you're always going to be humbled like it's yeah. it's nature like nothing's guaranteed and i love that about bow hunting nothing is guaranteed yeah, absolutely. And then every deer you harvest is different and uh, the challenges that come your way are different. Like nature's literally made to survive and beat us. And it it's a, it's a different experience every time you go out there. It's never boring. You'll never, never beat it. Yeah. I might beat it for a day or I might you might beat one animal for that day, but then tomorrow's a new day. Like For sure. And I think that the thing I liked about hunting as well, it, 
and you mentioned this kind of before we started recording it like it very much is like you versus you um Mm -hmm. like it's not a competition um it is like you and that animal and i think it's such a mental game that it really is like it's it's just not a compet it's to me it's not a competitive sport like it (laughs) the only competition you have is yourself so I think there are competitive aspects to it because people get into it for those who don't know um, with antlers, like we like to measure them and depending on the inches, it can score a certain amount. And then that just says like how much mass antlers have. And a lot of people like to play competition that way. I think that's just a fun twist that you can put on hunting, but it still really has nothing to do with the challenge of how you harvested that animal like the the animal I harvested last year was much older and wiser than other people I know that harvested animals that were way bigger antlers than the one I had got. But I know that one I had harvested was much older. So it potentially was harder. I don't know if it was or not, but yeah. there's just a lot of different aspects that come into it. And I think you're right. Like it's it's not it's not a competition sport. There are things that we do to add in a little twist of fun to turn it into competitive but it's not a competitive sport for sure i think the next uh kind of topic we could get into i think we covered the the weapons aspect of it um i kind of want to touch on you know the styles of hunting as far as like stance um again like i had mentioned earlier when i started hunting private it was all ladder stands or box blinds that had already been there Mm -hmm. um and when i went to public land and federal land it was very much like i have to figure out how i'm gonna do it so the first thing i purchased was a self climber and at the time i don't really think i i didn't really know about saddle hunting i you know i hadn't really caught on to that yet um and this seemed like you know, I think I got it. I want to say like, I want to say it was, it was maybe under $300. It's like a, I still use it. It's like the summit mini Viper. Um, and I wanted like the lightest thing I could find, um, which it weighs 18 pounds. So it's still like, you know, if you're like a mile, yeah, if you're a mile onto public land, it doesn't feel great. Um, but (laughs) for sure yeah it is it's like it's a cumbersome yeah heavy and you know i think people's the the most con you're gonna see about it is people will say it's loud um and so again the first video i saw of yours was um you know how to use a saddle how to hunt from a saddle do you want to talk about like how you kind of got into that or any tips for people who would be looking into making that purchase yeah sure so um i started my personal reason why i started hunting from a saddle was because like you i went out and bought a climbing tree stand i used a lone wolf one um it <laughs> it humbled me to my upper body strength for sure. Um, but I got used to it and I hated that I could never find a tree to go up. It seemed like, and when I would find a tree, I'd be sticking out like a sore thumb or it was 50 yards farther than where I saw the deer crossing and a five yard game, you ain't shooting that deer. So 
it's like you really want to be able to put yourself exactly where you know those deer are coming through and if you can't put yourself there why why even go out there like your chances are just so much smaller when you're bow hunting and um uh hunting on public land and walking far in and then i started self-filming for those people who don't know it is a lot of camera gear it's a lot of extra materials that add weight to your pack going in and it honestly felt like i was like elk hunting walking in with my climbing tree stand my filming gear everything was so heavy i was walking with like 40 pounds on my back it was ridiculous I've upgraded all my gear since then, but that's how I found saddle hunting, which now walking in with just the saddle stuff, it's like seven pounds, I believe, versus the 18, 19, 20 pound climbing tree stands. And that it cuts it more than in half. It's insane how, and that's with my climbing sticks included because my climbing sticks are like less than a pound a piece. It's amazing. Um, so what, what brand are your climbing sticks? So my climbing sticks are the tethered one sticks. Um, okay, nice. I have I have yet to find a lighter climbing stick that works as effectively as those ones do. I would like to try out the new latitude ones that just came out because they're they're yeah, they're carbon fiber. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to try those ones out. Um, they're expensive. Yeah. Well, so were the tethered one sticks, and I got yeah. I was gonna say tethered is one of the higher brands too. Yeah. For sure. Well, three years later, I think I have the first gen once and three years later they're still just as great as the day i got them um so they're very very lightweight but i as soon as i was trying tried saddle hunting i knew all the all the benefits and the possibilities from switching to his tree stand to his saddle was just like okay this is going to be a little bit of a learning curve but 100 it's going to be worth it and I just knew I was never going to hunt from a tree stand again. Like, as soon as I got up in a saddle, I was like, this is it. Like, everything I had struggled with with hunting seemed like problems seemed to just wow. be solved. Yeah. Oh. And I'm I'm a big, yeah, I feel like all the, I feel like self-climbers get a lot of hate. So I do try to give it, like, a lot of love on my page because um, cause that's really all I've used, right? I tried a saddle last year twice. Um, it wasn't mine. It was my ex's. And honestly, like I didn't even try it at home either, which I think was the big problem. I think just like on I the like way, like because yeah. uh -huh. we, we sometimes we would park, um, you know, at the same spot on public and then we would walk in different directions or like, you know, I would drop them off at a certain entrance on public land and I would drive around to the other side. So you know, we weren't hunting together, but there was this one, <laughs> we were just driving on the way there and he was like, do you want to do you want to try the saddle? Like, do you want to try to hunt out the saddle? And I immediately started freaking out. And I was like, well, maybe, but like, I'm not sure. But like, so he literally like, we, we walk in um, and he, you know, set it up and he's like, okay, like, this is what's going to happen. Like, you're going to, you're going to do it. And so I like went up into the tree and I just absolutely, I hated it. Yeah. Well, I hated it. Yeah. Like, absolutely. That's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> like I absolutely, I, it wasn't that I hated it, I think. And it's funny because you said you felt like in the self-climber, sometimes you were sticking out like a sore thumb. I felt like that's how I felt in the saddle. I was like, oh, my gosh, like I can't stop swinging. And like I just feel like if a deer came out, like I just feel like I'm just hanging here like and just and it felt really weird. But I will say I just I feel like I have, I have a lot of back problems. And so the self-climber, like although it works for me, 
um, it's not, it's just not great. Um, like there are times that I've, you know, I've walked about like two miles and it's like, I have to take so many breaks, just like get it off my back. And I literally like end up like stretching and doing yoga in the woods. Cause I'm like, Oh man, like I'm hurting right yeah. now. Yeah. But, and you're sweating and it's a struggle. For sure. Um, and so, yeah, I, I definitely do. I want to make the switch. I'm just, I'm not sure when it's going to be, to be honest. It's a, it's a, I think the thing about if you're not familiar with saddle hunting, like there are just a lot of different pieces you have to get. So the, and I think that is a good transition for us to talk about like gear and what that looks like for the new hunter um, starting out. But I feel like it is a, it's a big cost point, but like you just said, kind of like you felt like all of your hunting woes were solved once you were in a saddle. So like, to be honest, it kind of sounds like definitely worth the money. Yeah. Oh, it definitely is. And a lot of saddle companies have like a 30 to 60 day money back guarantee if you hate it. So when I purchased it, I didn't sell my climber like immediately. I was yeah. like, well, we're going to try this out for a month and see. And if I can convince myself that this is the way, then I'll keep it. Because I mean, I spent the long wolf climbers are not cheap. They're they. I think I spent close to $400. So for me to make the switch over to the saddle, it was still the same amount of money. So I was like, well, oh, you okay. know, it was, I mean, the, the lower climbers were not cheap when I purchased one, but I mean, yeah. this was like, uh, this was like seven or eight years ago. This when I yeah. purchased them. So they, uh, maybe the prices have come down and I know they've definitely gotten lighter, but the first time you try a saddle, saddle should not be 20 feet up in a tree. That's for sure. Like 100%, that was a terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, no hate, no hate to him. I mean, I'm sure, you know, no, no hate to the person who was trying to introduce you. I'm sure their intentions were pure. But everybody that starts out on the saddle, I say, nope, oh, did I lose you? It seems like our connection's a little wonky. I hope it's not on my side. You there? I'm gonna oh, okay. say I can just like edit this portion out. Okay. Are we still recording? Is that the? Yeah. Okay. It says recording. There you okay. go. Okay, you're not frozen anymore. Good. I was gonna say you were frozen the whole time, and I was like, I can still hear her though, so we're just gonna keep going with it. Oh, I couldn't. I I, I didn't hear you, or if you had said anything. Okay. Anyways. Um. Uh, so I think that's okay, a good so transition cool. into like gear. Um, I know for like, you know, that was one of the things I was most nervous about. Yeah, I said earlier, like Virginia has a cool apprentice license that's only $11. But um, once you get into like the nitty gritty of it, what? What gear are you going to need while hunting? Uh, and I, I'm going to start doing this on my own is when I was like, what's the final cost going to be? And I say final cost as a joke because I feel like every season, <laughs> every year, I'm like, oh, what, am, what do I need this year? What, 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 what would make my life easier that I didn't have last year? I think that's like the, the main thing. It's, it's not anything you ever absolutely 100% need, but it is kind of like I think when you hunt, often right when you when you're hunting like <laughs> when you're putting a lot of hours in the woods um especially depending what states you live in um 
it's really is like, what is going to make my life easier? What's going to give me a higher, higher chance to harvest an animal and make my time worth it? Um, I bought a lot of my clothes right off the bat off Facebook Marketplace. And I tell people all the time, especially women, because it's a lot harder to find hunting clothing. Um, just, just buy used first because I, at this point, I've tried so many different brands and I'm still going to, I'm just going to keep trying brand. Like I'm not loyal to anyone right now because especially when it comes to women's hunting clothes, I think it's so hard to find things that are functional and like actually form fitting and not in a way of like, I need to look good, but like there's just some men's clothing that like, it's not comfortable. Like we're just, we're built different. Let's be honest. So it's like, you kind of do sometimes need, um, you know, women specific clothing. Do you want to talk on like your experience? Well, up until recently, uh, I only use men's clothing. I just would find the brands that made men's clothing that was forgiving in the fabric and stretchy. Mm -hmm. Um, with 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 women with myself being curvy especially on the lower half and i have a very small waist like i'm i have a very small waist and um i would just end up having like a lot of extra in the waist just so that my yeah. lower half could fit in the pants um and that was really frustrating and i just had to suck it up and deal with it so i would just wear a belt in the woods as you know um but I did try quite a few women's clothing and I never found anything that I absolutely loved. Um, until honestly, I tried Sitka and I know that gets a lot of hate and it's extremely expensive gear. But for somebody who now I'm not currently wearing Sitka, this is just I'm just saying the An that's when I found that's when I found a company that actually made gear that I could wear the men's version and have it still fit me good because their stuff is so ridiculously stretchy that it it was just really nice now I also spend like five days in the woods all season long so I needed something that was gonna hold up keep me warm be really lightweight all my friends had it I tried it and I was like wow this is way better than what I currently have I just need to bite the bullet now with this year I'm currently sponsored by Scree, which is what I'm wearing on my hat right now. They came out with a women's line. They didn't always have it. Uh, they just came out with a women's line and it matches exactly their men's line. And they have been compared to Sitka and QU. Like if the two were matched together, mm-hmm. two really high brands in the industry, but Scree has about half the price point. Um, but it also has the lifetime warranty guarantee. Like they will replace your items. So it's it's a company that has a good price point. Like their jackets are like $150, $170. Like that's really, that, that's a good price point. Really, really good. Especially if it's a lifetime thing. Um, so for women, they do a lot of extra room in the back. Uh, they they make their jackets are longer so that they can go over our hips because men's jackets just end up being so tight around our hips. Um, so I mean I I hope they come out with more stuff here soon. But like their early season and mid season stuff is great. So that would be my I guess opinion with like the women's stuff is I really I went with Scree because I like their price point and their women's stuff really does fit super good. So 
For sure. Yeah, I think, and I think again, if you look at a lot of the higher end companies, um, people want to shit on the price point, but it wasn't until like I actually tried on a pair of like women's Sika pants that I was like, oh, I was like, I literally feel like I could go run a, an actual half marathon in these. Yeah. And it's worth the money. It was immediately worth the money. Yeah. And so I, then I bought a second yeah. pair. Um, yeah. But I'll still sometimes wear like, you know, if it's in Virginia, it doesn't get too cold. So I'll sometimes wear, you know, my Walmart camo on top with like my women's sick of pants. Like I am definitely not, um, you know, a, br a brand whore by any means. But I do think when you're putting in the time and like you're taking it seriously, it's like what you invest in gear wise is important. So if you're again listening and you're new and you think, you know, this might be something you like, like you do not need to go out and buy the most expensive stuff. Like just get something that's going to get you by, get you introduced to it. And then you'll kind of know, depending what state you're in, like temperature wise, what kind of terrain you're going to find out slowly like what you need to replace with quality gear later on as you get more serious about hunting. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then, and then I'm sure you've experienced the same as I've experienced with teaching ourselves a lot about how to hunt is there's so much information on the internet. You want to know something about the Sitka women's line look it up on youtube people do reviews all the time with everything with bows crossbows public land versus private the the gear that you wear um how to sight in your bow like it almost everything is on youtube so you know if you're scared to buy something go watch all the reviews there's like an endless amount of information out there hundred percent. And that was kind of the next topic we were going to talk about is like resources out there. No, the perfect segue, um, resources out there for new hunters. So if you're, you're just confused on where to start, um, and you haven't fully dove into it, like Caitlin just said, there are, it's just a, the internet. Like I just, I feel like there's no excuse lately. Like if you don't want to try something new, if you don't want to learn something, I think you're just not like fully committing because the internet is out there and there is just a plethora of knowledge for different levels for really anything you want to try. So specifically hunting, it's the same thing. And I think the most maybe confusing part is like maybe not knowing where to start. Like if you don't have the experience or the, the the background of hunting there's so many different like we just said there's we and what we've talked about so far it's like a, not even a fraction of what you know is actually <laughs> out there for the new hunter but it's just finding out what you want to do hunting wise and then just just figure it out just go to the internet and just start small. I mean, if you, if you're curious about hunting, but you don't understand the difference between like big game or small game, that was kind of something I wanted to talk about. We've, we've been talking about whitetail a lot, but there's just, there's so many different animals. Um, are you, have you, I mean, you actually, that's kind of perfect. I, and I do want to talk about resources that, um, I know I, I really like the hunting public, um, maybe not from like an educational, but 
also like entertaining. And then I think any questions you get from that, you can like kind of go figure out the answers. Um, and like I said, like you're really good about putting educational videos out. Like I have learned a lot from your page. Um, are yeah. there any influences you have that, you know, you that you kind of used as new resources, whether it was saddle hunting or bow hunting? Yeah, you funny thing is, is you mentioned the hunting public and you mentioned them as more of like the entertaining factor, but they if you want to learn how to hunt on public land, they really do break it down. Like you just have to listen to what they're talking about. They talk about why they set up at the bottom of this creek bottom or why they parked over here and didn't go in the parking lot or or they, they put up the on X map on their screen and they show where they're set up, where the deer are bedding, how far away they are and why they did that. And I tell you what, I have learned the majority of my public land skills from watching their videos and then applying it in a trial error type thing. And I would get so, and I still do this on YouTube where I will type in, I know we're gonna talk about this later of what my goals are this year, but this kind of works it in. I have spent the last two weeks typing in on YouTube how to, hunt velvet deer in Kentucky. And a lot of the videos that popped up were hunting public Kentucky velvet hunt or from like South Dakota velvet deer or, you know, but you, you type in the keywords of what you wanna learn and YouTube will provide those things. The hunting public just happens to be one of the largest hunting channels on YouTube. And I yeah. feel like they've covered so many states that you will find something that's applicable to you from their channel. I'm a huge fan of theirs. And they've got a lot yeah, of different, sure. they, they hunt in so many different ways. They don't just do it one way, which I think is awesome. Yeah. Also, they did start um, a podcast as well. So um, I learned their podcast. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Is there any, um, any other resources you can think of like off the top of your head? Other than just, typing in things online and then um, uh, go to your local archery shop if you want to learn how to do things and be honest with them. Like, don't, don't be too prideful and act like you know stuff. Like, tell them like, hey, I'm new to hunting this year. What broadhead do you think I should get for my setup? Or do you know any public land in the area that uh, doesn't get hit as hard by other hunters or I mean I think a lot of people are excited if they have information to share to help teach you something and people are more willing to share than you think they are for sure a hundred percent I feel like that was the big thing I noticed about hunting it was like if you're genuine in your interest and like on why you want to hunt and I think if you're just, and like you said, which I really like, be honest with like what you know and what you don't, like put your pride aside. And I think that's one reason people don't want to start new things is because they feel embarrassed. Um, yeah. Or stupid that they don't know. Or stupid. Or yeah. Like if you, if you don't know it, you don't know it. And that's totally okay. And like, I, I did not know jack shit about hunting. Like it, I didn't grow up doing it. I didn't have friends who did it. So for me, it was like, it was, I was putting a lot of like dumb you know, quote unquote, like stupid questions on the internet, um, on, on yeah. Ricky hunting, but 
And, you know, there were still people I was getting hate for sure. But I think it's like when you just put your pride aside and just like ask, I think the hunting community will absolutely like the amount of conversations you can just have with a stranger and you can mm -hmm. learn so much because they're like, oh, like this person wants to learn. Like they don't know something and it's like I have that information to share. I think you you will be surprised 100% the interactions you have. And I feel like when I first started hunting, it was like I would see someone in Walmart wearing camo and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I wonder what they're doing. And I wonder, you know, if I talk to them right now. And it's like, I absolutely started conversations with just so many strangers because I think that's the best way to learn. Um, and, and like I said before, earlier in the episode, like use your state's resources, find out if they have an apprentice program. Some states will literally take you out hunting with an experienced hunter. Like they will set everything up. So they make it so easy for you as an introduction to hunting. Like we, we want conservation in general to keep going and to grow. Um, you, we want younger generations in it. We want more women to get into it. We want more minorities to get into it. Like we, this is something that I think now the finding it later as an adult and when before I had so many misconceptions about it, it's like, I think this is such like an important and like sacred thing that, you know, it, we need this to keep going like this. I think being self-sufficient through hunting is one of like the most important things you can do to like just live your life. So um, I think you will be surprised with the support you can get as a new hunter. Absolutely. Yeah. The self-sufficient part is huge. Um, I know that some people also don't know what to do after the harvest. And I'm actually shocked to know like how many hunters actually don't utilize all of the animal or they don't know how to properly cook it or like I don't know for me I've always planned on hunting my whole life so I didn't want to take it to a butcher and pay for it to be taken care of like I really like being the only person who touches that animal from the moment it passes to the moment it's on my dinner plate and there's something that's just like really full circle about that and that's the most what do they say like that's the most organic free range yeah, meat that you can get. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm the same way. I've never taken it to a butcher. Um, mm -hmm. And I guess if you if you're totally like overwhelmed with the idea of doing it by yourself, or like you really don't know where to start, absolutely, like utilize your resources. But I do think it's important, like you said, there are so many hunters out there who like aren't utilizing like all parts of the animal. And for me, that goes directly back to like, how can I respect this animal whose life I just took? Um, and to me, the way I can respect it is utilizing everything I can. So that first year of hunting, like they weren't taking any of the organ meat or like they weren't using like the neck roast. And it was just small stuff that I remember seeing like, I just remember seeing the, the meat and thinking like, there's got to be something on there that we're just like leaving. And mm -hmm. so that was kind of the next thing, like the next year when it was, you know, me doing it. And then I started doing neck roast and then I started cooking heart. And it was like, it's just, did I know how to do any of that before? Absolutely not. Did I ever think I'd be eating like deer heart tacos or deer heart in my breakfast? Absolutely not. But there's resources out there if you just like have the interest and you want to learn and you want to like utilize the parts you can. Absolutely. Like you should be doing it.
Yeah, I think it's also it's the best way to respect the animal and it's extremely healthy for you. Like all of it is so, so healthy. For sure. Um, then yeah, if we're talking specifically about whitetail, like it's, it's, and if you're unaware, like it's very just like lean, healthy meat, like you're not, I just, I feel like I had a lot of health problems that just like kind of like dissipated when I like kind of just started eating majority of when I'm hunting or catching. I can't remember the last time I bought hamburger. I, I it's yeah. been probably like over 10 years since I bought burger, unless somebody was coming over my house that specifically didn't want venison burger that I might buy for just them, but not anymore. Like I see, and I feel up. like I would just like cook it and I would just tell people like, yep, just eat it. Like it's yeah. And then afterwards I'd be like, yeah, that was venison. <laughs> I've totally done that before. I'm not going to lie. And yeah. people are shocked because like they're, they're, they have no idea that there's any, that there's any difference because if you know how to cook it, it's not going to be gamey. If you know how to process it, it's not going to have a nasty gamey taste that a lot of people unfortunately get their first experience with venison tasting. And it's, I've changed a lot of people's minds on venison when they try it, how I cook it. hundred percent. I love cooking for my family because they're always like, what is this? And like, why does it taste so good? And I'm like, yeah, like, isn't that crazy? Like you pass roadkill and you're like, huh. Like, and now it's like, I see that as like food. Whereas like before it's like, you know, mm -hmm. um, I don't want to, I don't want to go too much longer. I know again, like we barely touched a fraction of like tips for new hunters. And I hope you guys, if, if you're curious about hunting, I hope you've learned something at this point, but I do want to talk about goals, um, and why that's kind of like such an important, um, kind of like thing to have going on. And I think it's all personal again, like this is between you and you and the animal. But, uh, you know, when I started hunting, it went from private and then my goal was to hunt public. And then I did that. And then, um, it was, um, public for, you know, Turkey. And then, you know, later it was waterfowl. So, um, do you want to touch on that? Yeah. So like for me, my, when I switched over, we already talked about like the crossbow thing, right? And uh, uh, after I harvested quite a few deer with my crossbow, I finally felt confident enough to make the full switch to the compound. Um, my first year hunting with a compound was the, also the first year I picked up filming as well. Um, but I definitely, when I when I had a buck come in, I completely ditched my filming gear and just went straight full on like with my compound. Um, so my first goal that year was just to kill a deer with a compound bow, which I did. Then my second year was like, okay, I really want to do this filming thing. I have to harvest a deer with my camera, like get it on film. What? I can't hear you. Did you mute yourself? Nope, you're good. Keep going. Okay, sorry. Uh, so my second year, um, I definitely wanted to harvest a deer with a compound and get it on camera so i actually told myself like if i don't get a buck this year it's okay because i need to get over the nerves of filming with the camera and shooting the deer twice once with the camera once with your bow um and i did i, I got a doe that year got it on film and because that was my goal i ended up not getting a buck that year uh and then last year my goal was to harvest a buck on film one that like I picked out and I picked out like a target buck. So I, I got to do the whole target buck thing and then getting it on film all by myself. And that was really huge accomplishment. And um, this year for my goal, I would like to add in hunting out of state because now 
that I'm working with companies and I'm sponsored and all my hard work of filming and posting my stuff online and putting myself out there, I started to pay off. Like, this is what I want to do. And I can't just stay hunting in one state. You know, I've got to go and hunt in other states and it creates a whole plethora of challenges. Um, so this weekend is the start of that challenge. And uh, it's opening day in Kentucky this Saturday, which today is Wednesday. Um, and I am now planning the logistics for out of state hunting and camping because that's how I decided to lodge myself as I'm camping and yeah. <laughs> and I feel like those are like four different subjects and trying to make them all come together all by myself is a whole new realm so I would really like to harvest a deer out of state this year um, if I can specifically a deer in velvet in Kentucky but you have such a short period of time to do that um, realistically I will be happy if I just get one out of state and then turkey hunting as well I would like to kill my first turkey that'd be great because the last two years I've been teaching myself how to turkey hunt and I have been successful um so I was gonna say I think the the video of you um turkey hunting this past spring where he was like kind of like right in front of you but I oh, love yeah. that you posted that you know what I mean you were so honest about it you were like hey like this hunting scenario happened like I could have had a gobbler and I just I messed it up like it just yeah. and it happens and I think it, you it, being honest it, about it for deer yeah it's a very it, small animal yeah, yeah, <laughs> compared to a deer for sure <laughs> absolutely so i think you again like these animals no matter what you're hunting like you're gonna get humbled um yeah it's just they beat you left and right and it's just frustrating and then you take a couple of days to cool off and you're like get back out there and do mm-hmm. it again you know i remember when i edited that turkey video you're talking about i remember looking over my friend before i hit post and i was like this one's gonna hurt and then I like posted it and I was like oh don't look at it it was so embarrassing yeah but again I'm not gonna stop myself from posting stuff that's embarrassing because I know I'm not the only person who goes through it so for sure and I I love that about you because I feel like you keep it so real you keep it so genuine like on your social media about hunting and I feel like in the hunting realm there's just such a big ego that people hold and so the amount of people that like they would never they would never post like something like that and it's i think for the new hunter for the rookie hunter like it's so important to just like be honest about your your mess ups like it's gonna happen like if you keep hunting long enough like you're gonna get humbled things are gonna happen like you're dealing with wild animals like you're dealing with new scenarios like you're a whitetail hunter and you just you know you're trying turkey like it is a totally different ball field and like that's okay like that is totally okay to be honest and like upfront about it so um i'm so excited for you to hopefully you know you're definitely if you I'm so excited for you to harvest uh, a Kentucky velvet like deer, like especially like solo and you're going to be camping. Like I'm really excited for you. Real. Thank you. I appreciate that. Realistically, I'm telling myself that if I can just find one or two bucks in velvet and get them on film, I will consider that a success because I know in the hot heat, it's hard enough to find bucks during daylight in such early season, mm-hmm. especially on public because you're, they go out into the bean fields at night and it's really hard to find them on their feet in public, especially because it's so thick and it's hot and they don't want to move till it's dark. And, yeah. and if I kill one, that'll be like luck times a thousand. I'm just being realistic here. Because yeah, I no, just for sure. How hard it is. Um, well, and I feel like I with hunting and 
<laughs> for sure. I feel like hunting in general, if we're, you know, we're still talking about goals. Uh, I just, for me, it was, it was good. Cause I feel like my goals, it's not that I, I made them out to be tiny so I could accomplish them, but it was like, it was goals that for me felt absolutely huge that, I mean, other people would think are tiny. Right. So like my, you know, my goals, it, it like I said, it went from private to public and then like federal to, um, you know, I just wanted that the morning I shot that buck, um, for me, it was like, just like, I just want to my first public land harvest. Like I was ready to shoot a doe. This was literally the first animal that walked out and he gave me a broadside shot at 15 yards. So like it couldn't have, you know, there is an aspect of luck to hunting and it, it couldn't have worked out like more perfect. But I think having like small goals is like such an important thing. I love that you said like if you can just get them on film, like even if you don't have the opportunity to take a shot, um, like that's a huge win still. And yeah. I feel like even just you like you going out of your comfort zone, you hunting a new state, like that is a huge thing. Like you camping on your own, like all these like lit other people might think are little things, but like, it's just huge wins, like is all I see. So, um, you know, sometimes it doesn't come together and sometimes it does. And I think just, you know, being, ex I'm just excited for you. I really am. Um, I think a lot of it is going to be not come together, but that's kind of my whole channel vibe though, isn't it? It's like, just, just go ahead and, you know, uh, learn and let the snowball roll and and make all the mistakes your first go around. Like, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Every time you make a mistake, you learn something. And I like to call, I like to do like crash course learning. I love to pick it up and do it the hardest way possible. And I feel like you can just cram so much amount of learning in that time. And I really don't mind feeling like it's okay. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I say a lot, um, I feel like with hunting, your, your failures are to me, at least, it feels like I learn the most from my failures. Yeah. Um, yeah, when things come together, especially hunt like with an animal and you harvest that animal, like, yes, like that's a huge win. But I think I've always learned the most from my failures. Mm -hmm. um, and last year, I told you before we started recording, I was absolutely humbled. Like my only goal was to... Uh, it was just to harvest a deer with my compound bow. Like, and it didn't happen. Uh, and I felt like the whole season I was just surrounded by, you know, like nice sized does, but they had fawns with them. And I just personal like preference. I'm just not going to shoot a doe if it has a fawn, um, yeah. even sometimes a yearling. Cause I'm like, I, you know, I wouldn't want to see someone shoot my mom <laughs> if I was that yearling. Like, I don't know. I just like, I get in my head about that stuff. And then it was like, I was just surrounded by yearlings. And it's like, you know, to me, if I can, to me, if I can like carry a deer out on my back, like by myself, like that is not um, a deer I want to harvest. Um, and again, like your tag, your choice, we're on the OK as Hunter, you know, podcast network. However, I just think, you know, for me, it was a personal goal to like, and when I say mature, I, I also don't mean like a mature, you know, big buck, but just like a nice sized animal. Um, yeah, a single yes. animal. Yes. Yeah. Single, no babies. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, yeah. And I just, I never had an opportunity. Um, and so it was, and then the one, and then another small goal I had in mind, you know, at first it was like, am I, you practice and you practice and you practice, but am I actually going to be able to like see a deer? 
and even pull my bow back. Like I, that was a big fear of mine. Like, am I just going to be shaking so bad or am, is it going to just like hit me like buck fever where I just like can't even pull it back? So the very first opportunity I had, and I'll admit like it was a small doe and thank God I, I totally missed like it. She went behind a tree. I drew back and I was so like, that was where I was like, I just did it. Like I, I did it. Like I pulled, I was able to pull back my bow, like no problem. But she went behind a tree and that's when I pulled back. And then she stayed behind that tree um, for, I think it was about like a minute. And I just wasn't really prepared for that. So when she stepped out, it just went like, and I had it on, you know, I had it on video too. It just went a couple inches over her, you know, shoulder. So I loved where the placement I had, but it was just a little high. And I couldn't tell if it was just I had been holding for too long or she had ducked a little bit. Um, and so when I for sure. And so when when I missed and then you know, I was like, I looked back at the video and I was like, she was tiny, like she was small. Um yeah. I was just so relieved. I was like, I, I'm a big believer in like what's meant to happen is going to happen. Like, so for me, I was like a clean miss is really all I can ask for. I was able to pull my bow back. Like for me that day, I learned so much. Yeah. Would and some people call that a failure. Yeah. Like I, I did. I was, you know, and for me, I'm like, that was still, I remember I was like, okay, like it's nine 30. I think I'm going to go to work. I was like, I think that's, I'm going to call it a day. Like that was, that's like what I, yeah. <laughs> I was like. Yep. For yeah. Sure. That's like you said, that's, that's an, it's an accomplishment to hold your bow back for over a minute on an animal. Keep your breathing calm. Don't let the adrenaline get to you and still be able to execute a shot. No, you didn't get her, but you're that much closer to being more prepared to holding your bow longer. And you know what? Maybe it taught you, Hey, when I'm practicing shooting a bow in my yard, maybe I should hold it for 60 seconds. Like maybe I should yeah. count to 30 and, and then maybe I should work on my stamina. For sure. And that's literally what happened. It was like the rest yeah. of me shooting through that season. It was like, okay, like now I'm, I was just hold it. I would literally hold it. And I'd like, you know, yep. I'm like, okay, like this is something I was unprepared for. What it also showed me, like looking back at that video is like the size of the deer. It was a 25 yard shot, which I was like, you know, pretty comfortable with. Um, but looking back, I was like, okay, she was a little smaller. And so then when I saw, you know, deer the same size later in the season, I was like, okay, like, you know, let them walk. Like something bigger is going to, bigger gonna is going to give me an opportunity. And I think when that didn't happen, even at the end of the season, and I was like, okay, like, you know, I just, I just was humbled. Like I just failed. Like I did not harvest a single deer with my compound bow. Like, and that's okay. Like I learned so much last season. And so now going into this season, it's like, again, that's my only goal. Like, and to be honest, I feel like having an empty freezer definitely put things in a perspective for me. So I only went out twice with my muzzle loader last year. That's definitely going to change this year. Um, I did not like I didn't like not having right. to buy red meat. Yeah, I did yeah. not like it. It's um, so different when you get used to doing it yourself and then having to buy it. Even like buying it at the grocery store every time is almost a humbling experience. Every time oh my gosh, yeah. Terrible. Literally, it was like, it, I was just constantly reminded. I was like, yep, you're buying this right now because you suck. Like you just yeah. couldn't make it happen. <laughs> couldn't, so, couldn't make it happen. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to be hunting a lot more with my muzzleloader this year. Um and potentially even, you know, back to my crossbow. I feel like I haven't picked up that thing. And even, you know, I'm going to be teaching some friends how to use it. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm going to take that out too. But definitely my only goal at this point 
besides getting some meat in the freezer because <laughs> it was rough. Um, yeah, it's just it's just harvesting like an adult deer. I don't care about gender like with my bow. That's awesome. Have you harvested a deer with your compound bow yet? No, that's what I'm saying. Like last year was my. Okay, so that's your that's your that's your goal this year is to get. That is my goal. Stuff, that's awesome. I'm super excited for you. I, I'm gonna be rooting for you on that because I know that that's 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 a hard that's a hard goal to accomplish. I don't care what anybody says. I know people who I'm personally related to that you know have tried hunting with a compound bow and were never able to make it happen, and they were just like, "This is too hard," and they stuck with a crossbow. And you know, hey, if that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. But there's a reason why people say it's so much harder with the compound. It, it yeah. is. It, yeah. It's a big goal to accomplish. So for sure. Good for you. I'll be rooting for you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, I think we're yeah, I think we're a little bit past an hour. So I think I think I, I would love to have you back on here. I feel like we could definitely go more into the archery side of things. Um, but yeah. I think this was a really good episode again i will be putting out more episodes that are geared towards you know the newer hunter i i did say i i don't want this podcast just to be about hunting but we're in the we're in the time of you know white tail so definitely in the next couple episodes are going to be geared towards that um caitlin i just i really enjoyed talking with you um i'm really excited we got to do this and i'm so thankful that you agreed to come on here yeah, you're the first female I've gotten to talk to on a podcast, and I think that's awesome. And I've been nice. watching your content for like the last couple of years, and you've grown so much, and I absolutely love it. That's a big um, man. Thanks. I'm the yeah. yeah that's awesome. <laughs> I really thank you. I appreciate. I remember it. when you started TikTok, you only had like I think I started watching. You had like one video that actually like hit some good views. I don't remember which one it was, but you only had I think you only had like. 10 videos on there when I first found you on TikTok. And I was like, this girl's awesome. And I immediately like hit follow. Yeah. So. Um, and I, I just took such a big break from TikTok because it just got really negative. And I was like, okay, I feel like Instagram's a lot nicer. So, but I think honestly, I think I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna be posting a little bit more on TikTok. I think I'm ready to yeah. make the jump back to it. So well, if you if you don't prefer TikTok as your platform, I just highly encourage everybody to see it as a funnel for their other channels that they want to grow bigger. This year, I'm going to put a lot more time and effort into my YouTube because that's my baby. That's where all my serious, good, good content is. Yeah. And I get to goofball on TikTok and then I get to be serious on YouTube. So, you know, I would I would I would say like use it as a funnel and don't read so much into the comments like that's that's definitely something that I've had to learn over time. And every, every once in a while, somebody gets under my skin, but it might honestly only be for like 20 seconds. And then I'm like, how can I turn this negative comment into something that's like an educational piece? Kind of like how you started out this podcast, although that wasn't necessarily negative. It would definitely was constructive criticism. It was, and yeah. I think that it made this episode a lot more interesting. So I think so too. I definitely agree. Um, well, thanks again. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, thank you to uh, all the listeners. And do you want to let people know where they can find you on social media and YouTube? Yeah, uh, all my all my stuff is the same. It's just my name, Caitlin Armstrong. If you type it in, I'm sure even if you spell it wrong, I'll probably still pop up. So it's it's Instagram. Uh, TikTok's my main platform. Then I have YouTube, which I want to be my main platform. Um, Instagram and Facebook, all Caitlin Armstrong. Nice. Okay. All right. Well, thanks again, Caitlin. Thank you.